Welcome back to another edition of Guys Nation Pop Culture Podcast, the Game of Thrones edition. I'm joined as always, I'm John, joined as always by my good friend, Lord Rob. You know, and uh, we call this the Game of Thrones edition, but I'm pushing hard for it to be the the Sons of Stark podcast. Yes, yes. Yes. We should probably rebrand, although you might have to be Rob with two Bs. Well, you know, my last name does start with a B, so if I just write it all together, it works. Yeah. So, big episode this week. Uh, the New Gods and the Old, something like that. Uh, now, we'd like to start off with kind of our initial gut reaction. And to me, the thing that stood out was that there were so many callbacks to past you know, issues from previous seasons... Uh, in the previously on Game of Thrones promo they do right before it starts. So you got the feeling that, oh, okay, some things are really going to happen this time. You know, because like last episode we talked about how maybe it was a little more of a filler, but now we're bringing back a lot of storylines and, and starting to wrap some of those up. Yeah, they, they definitely hit home with it. quite a few things. been a while since we'd seen some pirates and... Uh... Some Davos and Stannis. Uh, yep. I, I thought that was that was certainly big. They're kind of you know bringing it back home, moving forward with some things, pushing some things, bringing in some new actors to kind of um, fill in some some roles. Um, we hadn't seen the Greyjoys in a little while. They show back up. Absolutely, and. Uh, they actually they took more action in this one than uh, than they had previously. I mean, you know, even even if we had seen the Greyjoys a little bit here and there this season, it felt like those were just kind of filler scenes. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, when's the last time we saw anything with Theon that was of any substance? But here we are with uh, a little search party coming to get him. I mean, they're they're taking it home. Yeah, yeah. That was that was certainly quite a scene and quite a I don't know, something that we're, we're probably going to see a little more of you know, he's shown his loyalties or or maybe maybe at least just for the moment uh, and also Lord Varys, we hadn't seen in a long time he comes back into the fold, but you know, what was the thing that jumped out to you you know, as far as this episode goes what's, what's the biggest kind of uh, movement in the storyline to you? Oh, to me, I, I... Absolutely, think it's uh, the trial of um, of Tyrion. I think you know I was expecting that to take a little longer to kind of ramp up, but uh, jumped right into it. They just yeah they did they they jumped right through it. Quite frankly, I was expecting okay, so they're going to start at this episode. I wonder how long it's going to take to finish, and suddenly the trial pretty much reaches uh, a conclusion of sorts, right? Yeah, and we'll definitely spend a lot of time at that on that probably, you know, the second half of the episode. But I mean, really, if you can call a trial by combat whenever you want, why won't you just do that from the outset? I mean, well, if you're why even bother hearing all these witnesses? I, I think uh, Tyrion might have been a little more hopeful that some of the people who he had helped out along the way would have um, stood by him, and we'll obviously talk a little bit more about that. But yeah. All right, so let's let's start off with the man that has the claim to the throne, Stannis. Uh, he and Davos sail through the uh, Game of Thrones version of the Colossus of Rhodes to the Iron Bank. Uh, we believe this is the first time we've been there, unless we're just morons and forgot. Um, what did you think of this scene? I mean, to me, it, it seemed like Stannis kind of really had no balls. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, feels like he he was going through the motions because he knew he had to be there. He knew he had to at least try. I think he was maybe a little more hopeful that they would just say, "Oh yeah, right, we believe you." That yeah, guy's a bastard. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he he just thought it was going to be handed to him. Um, it it you know, and it kind of reminded me a little bit, uh, calling back a few seasons to when. Um, Renly was talking about going to kind of take back the throne, and he seemed he seemed kind of idealistic, like he didn't really expect this war was going to be 
you know, this tough thing. So yeah. um, maybe the Baratheons don't take things as seriously. I, I don't know. But that's kind of the idea that I got from Stannis is that he thought he was just going to get it handed to him. Yeah, yeah, well, and he's not the eldest, right? So he, he thought he was just next in line. That was it. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's odd because obviously he's getting led around a bit by the Red Priestess. And, you know, Davos, he talks down to anytime he can. But then as soon as he gets in front of another authority figure, he just kind of clams up and Davos has to talk for him. Yeah, and I, I really liked um, the actor that they used there at the Iron Bank. I didn't catch the character's name, uh, but they used Mark Gaddis, uh, who some people might know as Mycroft from Sherlock. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really enjoyed them using him, and I enjoyed the way he kind of just laid it out like, oh, you think you're going to win this war? You have, what, 43 ships and like 8,000 men or whatever? No, nah, I don't think so. I'm not even yeah. sure how you're going to feed them. Yeah, yeah. How, how much are you growing on Dragonstone? Uh, none. Right, right. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I really like the fact that, you know, this this Iron Bank is kind of like, yeah, good luck to you, but I don't think so. Yeah, they've got a pretty strict underwriting set of guidelines there. Uh, so. <laughs> so, uh, so it turns out, I mean, we don't see the actual loan take place, but Davos shows up with the uh, the pirate enjoying the ba- the baths with his two whores. Yes, he and, is. And uh, we get the impression that he made it happen. Yeah, and I, I thought... They all on sunrise. Yeah, and, you know, they, they all kind of have Davos to thank for that because he, he really stepped up. He really seemed to, you know, kind of made it happen when I really didn't think it would. Um, you know, he, he showed off the fact that he didn't have the fingers on the hand, and he kind of, you know, made it personal and said, look, I believe in this dude. You should, too. Let's make it happen. You know, and we've really seen, when you think about it, more character building for him than Stannis. I mean, he's had all those scenes with the uh, Stannis' daughter, or his own daughter, I guess, maybe, like learning to read, um, you know, and scenes like this where he gets a few things done that... I don't know. I mean, where do you see these two going? It, it, they apparently have 32 ships and 4,000 men. I guess they're going to attempt something. Uh, but what what do we see as the end game for them? You know, I I don't know. I if anything, I could see them somehow. I don't know. I, I want to say they would potentially team up with uh, the Targaryen girl. Uh, mother of dragons, all that mess. But yeah, it'd be then, tough because the didn't the Baratheons take the throne from the Targaryens? Yeah, so that that kind of that kind of nixes that. But and they're hanging out in their isn't the Targaryens' home Dragonstone? Or am I wrong on that? Yes, no, no, it is, it is. Yeah, okay. So it's kind of I don't know. It's who do they hate more? You know, do they do they hate the Targaryen girl or? You know, or do they hate, you know, kind of the Lannisters? And they would have to team up with the Greyjoys and what the heck's left of the Starks, I would think. Right. I don't know. That's just my initial vibe. If they if they wanted to really develop a force, I wouldn't be surprised if this turns out similarly to uh, kind of what Rob Stark was going through, where. You know, it seems to be going all right for a little while, and then the wheels kind of fall off for reasons other than a direct attack. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily know that they're going to make another attack on uh, on the throne. Yeah, and we can't forget the fact that the Red Priestess is really directing the whole thing with him, at least, with Stannis. You know, so maybe there's going to be a separation between Davos and Stannis eventually. Because I don't think Davos is interested in the Red Priestess. But. Right. Yeah, and and right. We, didn't, we didn't see Melisandre in this episode, did we? The Red. No, I don't think so. Okay. So let's move on to the Greyjoys. This was quite a quite a series of events here, where Yara uh, decides that she's going to rescue uh, her brother Theon and uh, reads that crazy letter from Ramsay. Um, you know, quite a nice little 
battle cry that they had going on, and they, they invade, and they seem to be doing pretty well until they find Theon slash Reek, and he's like, hell no, I ain't leaving. Right, right. I don't know who the hell you are, but uh, I'm saying here, I don't know who Theon is, I don't know who Theon is, I'm Reek, I'm Reek, leave me alone, leave me alone. Initially, I was like, just beat him over the head and drag him out. Yeah, I was waiting for them to, to just club him and then uh, just drag him on out. But uh, but nope, he kind of, I don't know, he he puts up too much of a fight and uh, Ramsey shows up. Did, did it surprise you at all, uh, the success that Ramsey had with his crew fighting uh, Yara and the invaders? Yeah, and you, you, you get the impression that the whole Ironborn thing means they have, like, iron swords, iron armor, that they would be good fighters. Right. Or at least willing, able to defend themselves and not get stabbed so easily by a guy that has no armor and no shirt. Yeah, the dude's running around with no shirt and, like, little knives or whatever, and there he is tearing shit up. Yeah, and then he, he has the ultimate trump card, like, uh, you know, these I could let these dogs out, so you might as well run away. I mean, there's three of them. How many dogs are there? I mean, I, I'm I'm not I'm not trying to advocate that they kill the dogs, but if that's your brother and you're trying to get him out, and all they got left is dogs. But she was right at the end of the day, where she's like, he's dead. Yeah. I mean, he didn't even recognize her. Yeah. I mean, as soon as as soon as she got in the boat and she said, uh, Theon's dead. Or my brother's dead, or whatever verbiage she used. Yeah, I was like, all right, that makes sense. So, you know, <laughs> one of the things that I was reminded of when I'm just watching this and I'm thinking, damn, Ramsey, screw Ramsey. I'm thinking of, uh, wasn't there like that beer commercial where the guy's like, why do we invite Ramsey over? Every time every time we invite him over, we lose. Oh. Uh, it was like a Bud Light commercial or something. Right, right. Or he was annoying, but. Yeah. But, uh, Freaking Ramsey. But, but every time he comes over, they win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's, that's what it was. Yeah. So, uh, so now, you know, we're left with the uh, the storyline that Ramsey's going to send uh, Reek to be Theon Greyjoy. Which I guess begs the question: Is he going to be successful and be the pawn for Ramsey, or are they going to figure out a way to get him back? The Greyjoys, that is. I, my personal my personal guess is that uh, Yara's gonna see through it and she's gonna feel bad for Theon and she's gonna murder him. Yeah, yeah, so that makes sense. She's just gonna straight up put him out of his misery. I mean, that's that's my best guess. That's that's what I'm hoping happens. Yeah, you know, and this, you know, this is kind of outside of where we're meeting to talk about here, but. There is a pretty consistent theme of strong women in this show. Oh, yeah. And this is yet another case where the woman in the family or the situation is the strong one, the one that sees through it. Yeah, and so she's going to take take control and, you know, she'll see right, right through it just the way that you said. I mean, that's what I expect as well. Yeah, I mean, she's kind of had his number from the beginning, and really, it seems like uh, the whole time Theon is kind of thought with his penis, you know. Like, <laughs> and I, it's kind of symbolic that now that uh, now that it's gone, he can't think for himself, you know. Yeah. I mean, the first thing he does when he gets off the boat, she offers him a ride back to the castle. He doesn't think about who she might be. He doesn't think about who she is. He's just like, oh. I bet I could stick my hand in that shirt. Oh, yeah, you're right, yeah. And <laughs> When he's on the like, horse. Yeah. And she's like, well, let's just see how far we carry this. Let's let's see let's see what kind of guy, you know, Theon really is. You know, just he's just thinking with his cock. And now that it's gone, he's got nothing. Although this certainly opens it up to some sort of crazy redemption, you know. The one guy that we've all written off. Maybe he eventually redeems himself. Theon? Yeah. I think the best we can hope for from Theon at this point is that he might kill Ramsay. Right. Which but, he already should have done when he was shaving him. Yep. But now we kind of know why he didn't, right? Right. Well, yeah, because he's mental. 
Yep. All right. So let's move on to Daenerys. Her dragons are wreaking havoc. Yes, they are. And uh, some kids and goats. Yeah, and I'm not so sure that the dragon torched the kid. It was close. Yeah, I had to go back and watch that again. I didn't have to go back and watch it again. I was going back to watch it again for a different reason. But uh, I think the kid watched the dragon go all the way over him. And then you see the dragon torching the goat. Um, now... <laughs> Do you want to give out uh, Daenerys' full name? Yeah, so this is this is something that I noticed um, on Reddit and a couple other places where people get kind of bent out of shape. There's a couple memes about it, about how in the book Daenerys has this long flowing list of nicknames and you know in uh in the show she kind of goes by just one or two here and there oh. but uh when she's yeah, introducing... how inconvenient that a tv show doesn't want to break out a paragraph every time they refer to a character sorry book readers right so they finally broke it out and here is the list she is daenerys <laughs> storm stormborn of the house targaryen the first of her name the unburnt, the unburnt, the queen of marine, queen of the Andals and the first men, Khaleesi of the great grass sea, breaker of chains and mother of dragons. Are we sure about great grass sea? That's how I saw it. Okay. <laughs> That's you know it's about to be on the screen here in a couple minutes. So. So they pretty much just shorten it to mother of dragons. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Khaleesi, Mother of Dragons. Right. Khaleesi. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> whatever. They, I'm, I'm sure they placated people by naming the whole thing at this point. Uh, but yeah, Torches the Goats. I guess we figured out the city she actually went to is Marine. Yeah. Uh, which makes sense. That was the last one she was at. Um, it's got that nice... Uh, Pyramid type structure. Yeah, and so now we see her dealing with the day job, right? Of having a million people come up with requests. And uh, what do you make of the dude? Uh, he's Dar. Yeah, he comes his, up and he's got all this. He's got this whole story. Did you believe his story? His Dar Zolorak. That his dad was one of the masters and. Apparently he wasn't interested in crucifying the kids or whatever, and now he's crucified himself, and the guy wants to bury his body. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical that that's actually the case. I don't know. Did you get that feeling from that interaction as well? No, I, I wasn't necessarily uh, skeptical. Um, you know, I kind of... I kind of understood. You know, it's it's the kind of thing where you can look at a group of people who, you know, maybe the the vocal the vocal minority, or the, even the vocal majority. You know, they do something, they stand for something, and you can hate them for that. But there's always going to be people that are part of that group who believe in the fundamental principles. But don't stand with them on every issue. Yeah, I think it's a case like that. I, I I believe what he's saying. I hear what you're saying, but I mean, what of the idea that this is a foreign ruler, right? Yeah. They didn't want a new ruler. She just kind of rolls in with her with her strength, with her dragons, with her billion unsullied, whatever the number is at this point. Yeah. And, and just takes us over. Uh, don't you think there's going to be an insurrection movement? Possibly, but I think I think at this point uh, she's got the numbers. You know, I mean, she's got right. not only the army, not only the dragons, but she's got the slaves. Yeah. So they're kind of outnumbered um, by a lot. Yeah, but I guess one of the reasons that it jumped out to me is that if if he wants to pull down those who are crucified, it becomes kind of a rallying cry, right? For the for the people in the city that did back them. You know, that's that's a possibility. Um, I viewed it more as him looking for some mercy 
and potentially the opportunity to get some leniency on her part and to kind of work their way into her good graces by saying, you know, look, no hard feelings, but, you know, let us bury our dead. Yeah, I know, and, and that's how it was presented, but is any throne that easy? I don't know. I mean, I feel like she's already gotten it. So gotten? You, she, she already conquered them. Right. Sure, he has it. All right, all right. Let's move on. It's, it's already 212 people want to talk to her, and uh, yeah, she's, yeah, she's got a lot of work to do. She's probably still hearing them right now. Yep. All right. So we move on to uh, all the people in King's Landing, all the you know important people at least having a discussion. Uh, we see that. The Dornish gentleman, Oberon, is helping out. And they mentioned that the hound was spotted, even though we didn't see the hound in Arya this episode. It sounds like they know where they're at. Right, and they know that he killed a few people. I don't even think they mentioned that Arya killed some people. Yeah. I don't think they know that she's alive. That's the whole idea. Right. Yeah. So I found it interesting that they included a note about um, Tywin finding out, you know, what the Hound has going on. Wasn't so surprised to hear that he was finding out what Danny's got going on. Right. Tywin wants her dealt with, but it doesn't sound like he wants to send forces just yet. So I don't know what he has planned, but it sounds like he's got something in mind. Yeah, I mean, he he certainly, yeah, he certainly says straight up that she has to be dealt with. So something's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was really interesting during that whole scene, though, that uh, the the male Tyrell, for lack of a better word, the husband, uh, I guess, stayed behind because the uh, the old bat that was controlling everything that killed <laughs> Joffrey is not around anymore, and uh, Tywin just says, uh, "Fetch my uh, my quill." You know? The yeah. guy's just, like, under his thumb already. Yeah, Olena Terrell definitely seems like she's <laughs> wearing the pants and all that. I mean, she's she's definitely a schemer. We found that out. Uh, we've seen it. Um, and, uh... So, I mean, I thought that the fact that the husband was there fetching a quill for Tywin, and he's the one sitting on the triumvirate to try Tyrion was, was a little telling. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, he's clearly the uh, the meekest of the group, and he's obviously kind of lowest on the uh, lowest on the on the pecking order there. Um, so I'm not surprised that uh, Tywin would just say, you know, go fetch me, uh, you know, quill and scroll, and he just kind of gets up and does it. It's kind of like, okay, you're going to play your role in this. This is what your part is going to be in all this. Yeah. So we end up seeing, after that whole scene of them just kind of acknowledging that they know some other things are going down, um, we end up seeing Varys and Oberyn meet up in the throne room. What did you make of that whole interaction? It, it sounded like they were somewhat kindred spirits in the sense that they both are seeing opportunities. Yeah, and I think Oberyn, he, he, it seems like he was trying to manipulate uh, Varys a little bit, kind of, you know, what can I offer you? Like, you know, maybe I can hook you up with whatever you like. And Varys is kind of like, don't even worry about that. I'm, you know, I'm not even, I'm not even trying to get into all that. You know, speaking of, you know, having whores or whatever. And there's a part that I thought was really interesting. Um, where uh, Oberyn calls him Lord Varys. And yeah. Varys says, no one is under obligation to call me Lord. And Oberyn says, yet everyone does. So he kind of, you know, Oberyn kind of sees that, okay, this dude 
is presenting himself one way, and everyone respects this dude. This dude has something going on. This Varus guy right. knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, and you, you feel like from the moment Dorn uh, Oberon showed up that he's been trying to figure out an angle. I mean, they haven't focused too much on him, but whenever he shows up, he's always kind of slyly talking to people, and you figure at some point he's he's looking for an angle. And maybe he found it with Varys. Maybe this is some sort of teaming that they're they're going to do. Yeah, now I'm sure anyone who's listening to this who's read the books is probably going to laugh at me for this. But the first few seasons, I wasn't really sure what the deal was with Peter Baelish. I didn't, I didn't really understand his value. I didn't see how important he was to the whole story. Yeah. And I won't, I won't go into all of it. But I've, I've, I've read some things that are, you know, recapping some of the things he's done. Now I see his worth. And what I'm, what I'm thinking is that Oberyn is similar to me right now to the point where I'm not sure what purpose Oberyn serves. I mean, I, I, but I'm starting to see that he's probably going to be an important character. Yeah, I agree. And, and actually one of the things that they have in common, at least Baelish and, and Oberyn and possibly Varys, is that they're not overtly trying to claim any sort of power. You know, they're not thinking that they they have a family that has a claim to the throne, or they're just kind of people that are respected enough to float around those who are in power. Yeah, I mean, they're certainly not going off talking to people and trying to recruit an army. They're not yeah. doing that openly. I mean, everybody else that's been in these conversations and these, these closed-door meetings have had links to the major families. Right. And these guys are kind of on the periphery. Yeah, they're they're not they're not happy to be um, second fiddle, but they're not looking to take power in a traditional sense. I mean, you saw when Theon kind of got power hungry and he tried the the traditional route, didn't work out too well for him. Yeah, and these guys are are kind of sneaky, and I believe you and I were talking last week and. I mentioned something about Peter Baelish, and you said you wouldn't be surprised if he had a huge role because of how this show is all about politics. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a show that's essentially based on politics, and this guy's entire role, his entire abilities are grounded in, in politics and in manipulating people. Uh, and I really thought there, there's definitely something big. I think we mentioned this last episode about his his soft invasion of uh, the Erie or whatever it's called there. Yeah, where he's he's able to just walk through the bloody gate. Yeah, he's, he's welcomed. And you don't you don't you don't think he can take over that joint? Oh yeah, I I think I he mean, practically he, he, has it now, right? He's got Lysa wrapped around his finger. Yeah, and I think we were trying to uh, figure out whether or not their marriage was official yet. I mean, they kind of had a, a small ceremony in the last episode. Yeah. But one way or the other, I mean, it seems like he's pretty much worked his way into that. Yeah. He, he manipulated the whole situation with John Aaron, Lysa's husband. Um, he's he manipulated everything with Joffrey, right? I mean, he pretty much showed that he had a hand in Joffrey's death and dealing oh, he with was pretty much the one that killed him, yeah, <laughs> more or less. Yeah, pretty much. And now you can kind of see that um, he's clearly having a hand in uh, trying to polish up some loose ends there with uh, with Tyrion. Yeah, with Tyrion's trial. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's you. You set up Sansa, you know, to escape, which easily implicates Tyrion, mm -hmm. and he knows, based on his political acumen, that they're just waiting. You know, Cersei and, and Tywin for a reason to blame Tyrion for something. 
Yep. So, you know, a shrewd politician is going to jump on those those assumptions and make something happen. So, here we are with the trial uh, that we we've been waiting to see. Uh, we got Tywin. Well, first of all, we got Tommen uh, standing aside and letting Tywin run the joint. Right. Uh, then we got uh, the Tyrell, the other Tyrell on the left, and we got on the right Oberyn, who, you know, to his credit, at least asked a few questions. <laughs> yeah. But all in all, they're kind of a united front, especially with the crowd. You know, everybody wants to see Tyrion go down. Yes. On the Kingslayer, right, as he walks in. Yes, and I, I thought that was really interesting is that, you know, that's been the title that uh, Jamie Lannister has kind of carried around with him the whole time, and now uh, someone yells it out at uh, Tyrion as he's coming into the court, and that really sets up nicely for the discussion that uh, Jamie Lannister has with uh, with his father Tywin when they're talking about uh, being a Kingslayer and what it means. Yeah. Yeah, and so it just becomes a cavalcade of witnesses of character assassination. Uh, you know, uh, he tra- Tyrion tries to bring up a few points, but it really doesn't doesn't work. Yeah, he gets shot down pretty bad. Yeah, um, Grandmaster, Grand Meister, Meester, whatever it is, Pycelle brings up the necklace, which I thought was really interesting because. We're led to believe that Baelish is the only one involved in the necklace. So how does Pycelle know about it? And see, that's the thing. I think that, um, I mean, clearly Baelish threw it over the uh, threw it over the edge of the boat, had it land down in the uh, um, with his co-conspirator. Yeah, but uh, but at least let's let's start from the beginning. All we know, at least all we've seen, is that uh, whatever his name was shows up with the necklace, gives it to Sansa. She wears it. He takes her away. Right. So at no point have we had any indication that Meister Pascal knows about it. Right. Although he was very close with Baelish. Yep. So I guess maybe that's just a continuation of that situation that they he's there to blame Tyrion. Yeah, I I think I think that's exactly what it is. I think that's it's just all part of the conspiracy is that he says, you know, here's where you can find the necklace, you know, here's who had it and here's here's kind of what you can say about it. Yeah. I think he kind of you know, mastermind that whole thing. I mean, they were on the King's Council. I mean, you know, I mean, Baelish and uh, Pycelle, I mean, they, they kind of work together. Yeah. So what's this about Cersei makes a quote from uh, Tyrion? Yeah, so, um, you know, I just, I just thought it was interesting. I mean, they had to bring it back up, right? I mean, yeah. um, Tyrion and Cersei had that discussion a while back where... I mean, essentially, Tyrion says this is going to come back to bite you in the ass, you know, and and the day will come, you know, when when there's going to be vengeance. Um, it's just, just one more thing that they're using to to skew things against Tyrion. They're you know they're they're bastardizing the truth, and right. uh, you know there's there's little little hints throughout there that you know he hated Joffrey. Um, yeah, what did you not. What did you think when? Uh, oh, okay. Wait, yeah. So no, they have an adjournment. I'm sorry, I was I was getting a little ahead of myself. I was going to ask about Shay, uh, but they have an adjournment, and you hear that whole conversation with Jamie that there's there's going to be a plea deal. Uh, when you heard that, did you think he was actually going to take it, or? You know, I thought there was a chance that that he was going to get it. That he was going to get the uh, the you know plea for mercy, and that they were going to send him out to uh, to be part of the Night's Watch. 
Because I guess they know he's not really good at uh, anything physical, right? I mean, I mean, he's he's an imp, right? Yeah. Um, which means he really can't be a part of the Night's Watch. Which right. I would guess in his head he thought, yeah, right. I'm sure that's going to happen. Yeah, but don't don't the Night's Watch have to take a uh, a vow of celibacy? Yeah. So by sending Tyrion out to the Wall to be part of that. You're essentially saying the only thing you really enjoy in life um, is getting drunk and sleeping with horse. Right. Now you're done with that. Yeah. Now, I thought it was interesting also with that conversation between Tywin and Jamie, which, by the way, how does Jamie have such a normal name while everybody else has a weird name in that family? <laughs> Who knows? Whatever. Joffrey's weird almost normal. Weird choices. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so, basically he says to Tywin, and, and maybe we've known this before, I don't know, but it was, it felt like new information to me, given that I haven't read the book, uh, that as a Kingsguard, he's forbidden to carry on the family bloodline, and that now Tyrion, apparently, is actually the one that needs to carry on the bloodline. I mean, right. I don't know, was that ever apparent before? No, I I had no idea why Jamie didn't have kids of his own. Um, not not <laughs> any that he could publicly uh, admit yeah. to having. Um, I'm sure that other people that are watching the show might have picked up on something that that they knew about from the book. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, no, that was it was news to me. As us, as two novices, that that was news to us. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if there was a discussion somewhere between Jamie Lannister and Brienne um, of Tarth. Uh, right. That somehow, somewhere in that discussion, it came about that you know he wasn't going to be carrying on the the bloodline. Right, but, and you know, you figure maybe. Uh, the fact that they were so explicit about it, they're like, how's a Kingsguard? You're forbidden to, you know. It, it, sometimes when they say things that explicitly, they mean for you to learn it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that were the reason. Um, and it wouldn't have surprised me if uh, the reason he wasn't having children all along the way was because of his love for Cersei and the fact that I kind of feel like if Jamie were to have slept with anybody else and had children with anybody else, Cersei might have killed them. Yeah. I mean, she's a crazy bitch. She's nutso. Yep. All right. Well, speaking of nutso, Tyrion's Hura comes back into the fold. Yeah. Um, to the shock of no one, she apparently was paid off to talk smack. Well, see, I don't know. I don't know if she was necessarily paid off. I think she's a woman scorned. You know, well, yeah, yeah. Tyrion, Tyrion essentially said, "Look, you're, you've got to go. You got to get the fuck out of here. I'm gonna set you up with a place. You need to move on." He's she's like, like, "Here's twenty. I called you a cab." Yeah, and she's like, "Not gonna happen." And he's like, "All right, I gotta break ties with this bitch. Uh, you're a whore. You don't mean." Braun, take her away from me. Yeah. So, I mean, hell hath no fury, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she definitely lit him up with some uh, pretty damning lies. Yeah. So, she at least admitted that banging her happened before he got married. Yes. <laughs> so there was, like, bits of truth in what she was saying. Yeah. And I noticed, especially more of the truth came out towards the end of what she was saying, you know, and then she wasn't, like, looking at a piece of paper at the end of it. Right. Like the beginning. Right. Yeah, it definitely felt like it was rehearsed. The beginning part was rehearsed. So that's that's why I could see where where uh, there, could be, there could be some money that changed hands there, that it's not just all her feeling all bitter and butthurt, right? Yeah. So... I really liked what Tyrion ended up doing. 
and just breaking it down like, you know what, F all of you. <laughs> I'm really untrial being a dwarf. Yeah. You're you're finding a scapegoat and you've always wanted it to be me, and this clearly is the perfect opportunity for it to be me. Yep, and I love which, the fact which, that he... Did, which, by the way, Peter Baelish knew. Right, right. I, I'm really glad that he didn't just stand there and, and play the role of the victim. I'm really glad that he was like, you know what? Not only uh, am I on trial for being a dwarf, but I should have let you guys perish. I shouldn't have helped out during that battle. Yeah. I should have just let all of you die because I'd be happy if you died. And if there was, you know, if I could have killed Joffrey, I would have. Yeah. And by the way, if there's any more poison left from whoever did it, I'd, I'd use it to kill all of you. <laughs> I love it that he just called everybody out about that. Yeah, I mean, it's just a scorch earth policy. He was just like, you know what? I'm going for it. Yep. No one's No one's outside of the crosshairs on this one. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was great that he, he was able to get that out, you know, without anybody stopping him. And then we get this uh, out of nowhere, I demand a trial by combat. Yeah, or I'm just thinking as as a viewer, I'm like, well, why don't we do that earlier? Right. <laughs> Same I mean, with all the characters. Yeah. But I, I mean, it had to happen, but... Yeah. And, you know, Tyrion, I have to think that he was hoping that some of the people that he's helped out along the way would stand up for him. Because, I mean, he has kind of earned a few favors along the way. Uh, he treats people, he treats most people right. I mean, I think it's pretty easy to root for uh, Tyrion Lannister. Can we come uh, up with any, though, that would have potentially been there? I mean, he and, did right by the Starks, but they're all dead. Yeah. Um, Bronn, who knows where he is. Podrick right. is already off. Yeah, but... Most money have done well by that could be called. Uh, it's, it's a good question. That's <laughs> one I wish I could take a little bit and... That's not uh, already against him. Research a little bit, but... Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of... Roz, she got killed by Joffrey. Right. I don't know. I just I, I just kind of feel like uh, it's easy to pick Tywin's side over Tyrion. Like, you know, if you're given the choice, who are you going to stand with? Well, I'm going to yeah. stand with the guy who's controlling the king. That's an easy choice to make. Sure. But I think Tyrion was probably optimistic that the truth was going to come out and that, you know, he wasn't going to just get railroaded. So I think that's why he sat through this farce of a trial. Then you know when when he when he called out that he he was demanding his trial by combat, it was one of the moments in the series where I was like, okay, shit, just shit just got real. Yeah. We're, we're turning a page. We're we're forcing things forward. I'm I'm ecstatic about it. Yeah, I mean, and that's the overall vibe of this episode is that we're not treading water anymore. We're headed towards something at the end of the season. I mean, this is a six episode. Things are starting to move. Um, I, I loved the callbacks in general, just to, to bring back, you know, a lot of the, the situations that had happened, you know, previous uh, deeds are, are coming back to haunt people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I really... And I, I like the way that they set it up also with the fact that Braun had that interaction with Jamie last episode where he said, you know, you know, and Jamie's feeling sorry for himself and all this, and he's like, you know, do you know how me and Tyrion met? He's like, yeah, well, you were you had to do a trial by combat with him or something. And he's like, yeah, but I wasn't his first choice. You were. Right. And so that kind of just puts that seed in your head as a viewer that, Maybe that means something, and then sure enough, the next episode, he calls for another trial by combat, and uh, I think we might be guessing that Jamie might be the one he chooses. Yeah, that was the first person that came to mind for me. I mean, that's it's really the only person other than Braun who um, could 
or would stand for him right now. When it actually goes down, I'm not convinced that Jamie Lannister is going to take part. Yeah. Um, I it's think definitely up in the air. Yeah, I think I think there's a good chance that he might, because I think there's definitely some significance to the fact that Braun has been training Jamie and trying to get his um, get his confidence back up and you know get his skills up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could definitely see Jamie standing up um, for for Tyrion and and performing trial by combat for him for his brother. I think it'll be a strong scene. See, but it begs the question is, who's going to be fighting for the prosecution? Right. And as we talk about this, what if Jamie has to say, I can't do it, and then Tyrion has to call Bronn, and then Tywin calls Jamie? Yeah, that was something that went through my head, but I can't... I, I mean, Tywin wouldn't, wouldn't do it because he has one hand, but right. Still, right. that would be quite a dilemma. I can't bring myself to imagine a scenario where we're either going to lose Jamie Lannister, right, or we're going to lose Braun and Tyrion. Yeah, I. <laughs> They're way I, too cool of characters. You know, I know it's a distinct possibility that they could have that showdown for the very reasons that you mentioned, but I just... It's one of those things where, like, the fan in me, I I don't want to see it. I don't want to see... I want to go into Season 5 with Jamie Lannister, Tyrion, and Braun all still living. Yeah, of course. I mean, they're, they're great characters. Yeah. So... But again, you know, we've, we've got to kind of think about if there is, there's indeed going to be a trial by combat. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to call either Jamie or Braun. Yep. But we don't really have any indication of who's going to go against, and I, unless we're just missing something. I mean, is the Dornish guy a good fighter, Oberyn? I don't know. There's no real indication of of who would be the obvious choice, unless we're just completely missing the boat here. I. Uh, I don't know, and yeah. I think it kind of comes down to um, who who's the one that that chooses. Is it Tywin? I mean, I think so. it's distinctly possible that uh, that Tywin would choose uh, Gregor Clegane, the the Mountain. Mm. Sandor is he still around. Uh, I thought the reason he died. I don't think we've seen him in a while. I'll 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 figure that out. But I mean, if he if he's still around, I mean, he would be the guy that that I would predict. What you feel like? I mean, if there's somebody that they're gonna pick, it they would have been on screen recently. It's not just gonna be out of left field. And I'm I'm just not remembering anybody that would be. Someone they just called back up, but well, I think we've uh, I think we've gone through the full episode this week. We get oh. to see in the preview for next week that Daenerys says something about needing a warrior, and uh, you know it's that guy that she kind of banged a little bit. <laughs> Maybe I can't, uh, I can't remember his name. Is there some sort of connection? Between her sending him to fight and this trial, I don't know. Nah, would that be too far fetched? I think so because yeah. she's all the way off in the east. Yeah. Hey. Oh, you know the dragon could carry him all the way over. <laughs> yeah. Are you talking about uh, Dario Naharis? Yeah. Yeah, the guy. They really messed me up because I was having trouble keeping track of some of these ca- characters. Oh, they changed the actor. They did, and it totally messed me up. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Because the guy who used to portray that character looked very familiar to me for some reason, and they changed him to some guy who doesn't look familiar to me at all. Oh, he's the guy you have dreams about. But, uh, (laughs) yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like 
if you're going to change characters, at least get an actor that looks somewhat similar. Right. But, oh well. And just so you know, the uh, the notes that I'm looking through that uh, that help me figure out who people are, they indicate that uh, Gregor Clegane, otherwise known as the Mountain, is still alive, and he was expelled from Stone Mill by a force led by Lord Edmund Edmer Tully, forcing him to flee south to Casterly Rock. Hmm. And where have we heard Casterly Rock? Well, yeah, that's where the Lannisters live. But I'm just, you know, and the Hound was, you know, fighting for them too previously. But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it would have been somebody we've seen more recently. Like they're not just going to pull some dude out of thin air from two seasons ago. But I don't know. We shall find out. They they might pull him out of thin air. I mean, he hasn't done much, but you got to kind of bring him back to the uh, to the forefront because. Yeah, possibly. They they certainly said that they noticed the hound being there, being around. So maybe they'll bring him back and uh, make the hound think about coming back to King's Landing. Could be really interesting. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. Covered all the angles. We'll see if Tyrion survives. I mean, how can the show exist without Tyrion? I don't know. I'll I'll continue to watch at least for a little while after. He uh, has his demise eventually. Yeah. If if that's you know, I guess there's a possibility that George R. R. Martin is still writing stuff for uh, for Tyrion. Yeah, I sure hope so. We will find out. All right, until next week. Pleasure doing podcasts with you. Later. Later.